Similar to a well-tuned automobile, a guitar requires the same level of attention to perform at its very best. No matter how expensive your guitar may be, we will treat you and your instrument with the utmost respect. Call 920-723-1733 or visit jeffsguitar.com. Jeff's Guitar Clinic in Ford Atkinson, we love guitars. The attorneys at Jingris, Thompson & Walks have had the honor of receiving numerous awards for their work both in and outside the courtroom. But just as important as receiving accolades for being skilled attorneys, it's equally important to give back to the community in which they live and work. If you want a personal attorney that can help you in so many different areas, they've got them. They're in Eau Claire, Madison, Milwaukee, and Waukesha. They're easy to reach. GTWlawyers.com. That's GTWlawyers. Welcome to another podcast at SlyOffice.com. Welcome to another podcast at SlyOffice.com, brought to you by our friends at the Madison Teamsters, Local 695, also the Operating Engineers, Local 139. Joining us now from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Craig Gilbert. Craig, good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Well, good. Uh, here we are again. Another election. We get to dissect the map, the changing map. <laughs> Fortunately, there are interesting things to talk about. Well, you know, the map itself doesn't look a lot different than 2018, but that sort of belies the point of some pretty serious changes when you really dig down deep, right? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the top-line numbers in the two last two governor's races, I mean, there was just a very modest shift in a Democratic direction. You know, Evers won in 2018 by one point, and he won in 2022 by a little more than three points. But, of course, as you said, that masks a lot of kind of churning within the state, a lot of small towns getting even more Republican, and cities and a lot of suburbs uh, in metropolitan regions of the state getting a lot less Republican or a lot more Democratic. Well, it's, it's really remarkable because, as you mentioned in the piece that ran the other day, this is in spite of the fact that the African-American turnout in Milwaukee was down significantly. So he won by more, even though uh, a normal constituency for Democrats, the, the turnout was down. Yeah, the turnout in Milwaukee was down. That didn't, that he still got more net votes out of Milwaukee County, uh, I believe, than he did um, four years earlier because he did so much better in the suburbs. Um, the city did get more Democratic you know, overwhelmingly Democratic, got even more Democratic. But there were, I think, um, you know, his the net vote, Democratic vote, because of the turnout was smaller, coming out of the city of Milwaukee, was about 14,000 votes fewer net than Evers got in 2018. So in a close election, that could have, could have made a difference. But his gains were so much bigger in blue suburbs, purple suburbs, red suburbs, around Milwaukee in particular, also around Madison, and to a lesser extent around Green Bay. So is Wisconsin late to the table on this suburban shift? I think that's part of what's going on. I mean, if you think about the fact that we've talked about this in the past, you know, the shift of metropolitan suburbs away from the Republican Party that happened in a lot of northern cities several decades ago uh, only has happened much more recently in Wisconsin. I mean, the you know that made the Wow counties kind of an outlier nationally because they were so Republican, and for a long time they kept getting more Republican, while other suburbs in northern cities 
we're getting less Republican or more Democratic. And so you could look at this like sort of this sort of deferred trend now um, coming home to roost. And it is, you know, again, as you alluded to, it's kind of striking when you think about the fact that, you know, we saw it in 2016. We saw it, you know, with Trump on the ballot. We saw it in 2018 with Trump in the White House. We saw it in 2020 with Trump on the ballot. And yet in 2022, no Trump on the ballot. Um, you've got a Democratic president in the White House with negative job ratings. You've got issues like crime and inflation that Republicans were quite hopeful would, you know, would really cut for them, uh, including in these suburban areas. And despite all that, um, still you know, unabated decline in some of the, in a lot of these communities, higher education, suburban communities in southern Wisconsin. And in the Senate race, uh, while it was exceedingly close this time, and Ron Johnson performed much worse in the suburbs of Milwaukee, especially even in, in some of the suburbs outside Milwaukee County in the, the ring of fire, as I call it, uh, he, he still won. And where was was the difference everywhere in the state? Was was there a, was there a difference between the governor's vote and Mandela lieutenant governor's vote uh, statewide? Yeah, I mean, there was no there was nowhere where Mandela Barnes performed as well um, as Tony Evers, but he came the closest in metropolitan Milwaukee. Um, he he fell off the most in you know, some rural, small rural counties, particularly in western Wisconsin. So, you know, but it was across the board. Um, but, you know, unsurprisingly, you know, sort of Milwaukee was where he came close to matching Evers performance. So, A.J. Biaport in, in Madison, who does one of the political TV shows, had a map on television, and it looked to me like there were some counties in northern Wisconsin where Tony Evers did a little better in 2022 than he did in 2018. Is that true? It's true that he did better, certainly, in some kind of northern, some small cities up north. Um, he did worse in a lot of small towns. Um, so um, while we're talking, I'll see if I can call those numbers up. But um, overall... Republican, the Republican margins increased mm -hmm. in in rural Wisconsin, particularly in sort of small towns. Um, there may have been some counties. I think it's possible, you know, places like Bayfield County, you might have done a little better. Um, but I think overall, you saw, you know, the you saw the Republican growth and the Republican inroads in rural Wisconsin continue, but it's also kind of a flattening trajectory in the sense that, you know, the big giant shifts occurred at the presidential level, you know, in 2016 and 2020 with Trump on the ballot. They occurred at the at, in governor's contests in the Walker elections of 2010 and 2014. That's where, you know, those the rural swing happened under Walker before it happened under Trump. Um, but now there's sort of a question of diminishing returns. I mean, there's still some growth there, but, you know, it, there's sort of, you have to ask how much more can Republicans squeeze out of these counties when they're not very populous and they're, and, and they're generally, by and large, not growing. Or, lo or losing population. Or losing population. Okay. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, it, so this, and, and this is another case where Wisconsin was behind the trend, 
of uh, other states where rural white voters had flipped to Republicans years before 2016. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, the corollary to kind of Wisconsin suburbs, particularly outside of Milwaukee, being a lot redder and staying a lot redder than suburbs in other similar states is that Democrats were doing better in in much of rural Wisconsin than they were doing almost anywhere else in the interior of the country for a long time. And sort of like the suburban trend we've been talking about, that one is also kind of, you know, fallen victim to sort of the structural kind of national tide of American politics where, um, you know, the things that made Wisconsin idiosyncratic um, uh, are kind of vanishing, kind of disappearing. And as our politics has become more nationalized, those differences are diminishing. And so, yes, that's, that's how you have seen. It's not true everywhere in Wisconsin, but you've certainly seen rural Wisconsin start to look a lot more like, you know, rural counties in the rest of the Midwest. When you hear a party now say, well, you know, our messaging wasn't right or we didn't do this, didn't do that, isn't this some, in, in a lot of cases, isn't this something that neither party, re, neither party really has any control over? In other words, think, the, the forces of cable yeah. TV and, you know, fewer people, re, you know, reading the way they used to. You know, I just, I'm wondering whether some of it just is out of the party's control. I think some of it is. I mean, there's certainly things you can do around the margins. I mean, you know, I, and when you think back to, for example, how hard, you know, Al Gore and John Kerry worked um, for rural votes in Wisconsin in 2000 and 2004, you could certainly say, well, the Democrats aren't really doing that anymore. On the other hand, you know, the, 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 the tide uh, is a very powerful one. And no one, you know, no one, I think, thinks that if, you know, Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden had taken as many trips to western Wisconsin as Al Gore, John Kerry did 20 years earlier, that they would have done anywhere near as well as those two candidates did in Western Wisconsin. Because you're right. I mean, the the power of campaigns to kind of alter these um, currents is very limited. So uh, with the rural parts of the state, the population is not as transient. Have you been able to kind of figure out for instance, in a, a suburb like Wauwatosa, which is in Milwaukee County, just west of the city, for years it was a Republican bastion. Even some of those small bungalow homes that, you know, that hug the, the border mm-hmm. with the city, they were Republican. I know because I lived there as a little boy and my grandparents were members of the John Birch Society. So I remember, right. uh, boy, they wouldn't, rec- if they were still alive today, they wouldn't recognize Wauwatosa, would they? No, I mean it's just stunning, and it's and it's not like it's, it's the stunning thing about it is the size of the shift, and also how quickly it's happened. Um, I mean, again, you go back to 2014, you know, and these numbers were in the in the column I wrote. You know, Scott Walker's on the ballot. He lives in Wauwatosa. He wins Wauwatosa by five points. Four years later, he's on the ballot again, and he loses it by 16. And four years later, the Republican candidate for governor, Tim Michaels, loses it by 40. I mean, that's a that's a 44-point shift on the margins in, in two elections. 
for governor. Um, two elections where there was a swing toward the Democratic Party, but it was, you know, it was single digits. It wasn't 40 points statewide. That is remarkable. So have you been able to figure out, uh, is it people from the city of Milwaukee moving into Wauwatosa that has made it more Democratic? So I don't have a... I don't have a precise answer to that because I, I, you really have to dive into the population trends. And but so the, the easy answer is that both things are going on. For you, you can't possibly account for the size of the swing through population change um, because you know we're talking about you know not just Wauwatosa but you know Waukesha County. You know, Ron Johnson wins it by 38 points six years ago, and he wins it by 25 points this time around. That's, you know, that's a 13-point swing in six years. You have 15-point swings since the last race for governor in some of these suburbs. You have 30- or 40-point swings since the, you know, the 2014 race for governor. That, that can't possibly be explained by population change at the same time, so there are people that are changing in place. I mean, there there are opinions shifting, partisan preferences shifting, and we can talk about the reasons for that. But but there's, it's also ha- it's also true that I think you know we all know anecdotally that you know these suburbs look and feel different than they did ten or twenty years ago, and some combination of people who are moving into this area, moving into those communities, and people maybe leaving the city of Milwaukee um, and moving into those communities, you know, the demographic mix in some of these communities shifting. So I think both answers are true. And I would imagine that, you know, I imagine Republicans are working probably more actively to get their base out in rural parts of the state than they used to. And Conversely, Democrats are probably working harder in Ozaki and Waukesha County. Yeah, I think those two things come, you know, work together. And obviously, absolutely. I mean, um, it's sort of the flip side of, of, you know, Democrats not focusing as much effort in the small towns as they did when they were not only doing better, but when they had elected officials and they had state legislators and members of Congress representing Well, sure. Areas, which, yeah, they, which they, David they o- don't. David Obie, right. had his own, David Obie had his own political organization. Yeah, so that, and that, so you, that's gone, and so you're not going to make the same effort. And, um, and, and the same true Waukesha County. I mean, you know, Democrats have paid lip service to doing better in Waukesha County because there's a lot of Democratic voters in Waukesha County because it's big. But now you've got, you know, more grassroots organizational efforts going on. You've got the start of, you know, representation politically. And um, and so that's all that just, you know, creates a whole nother uh, it, it makes mobilization far easier, and it does have an impact on the on the on the on the vote at the end. Craig Gilbert with us at SliceOffice.com. We'll be right back with the second part of our chat about the shifting political fortunes in Wisconsin. I want to thank all the labor unions here in Dane County that help keep SliceOffice.com up and going so you keep up to date, whether it be the Madison Firefighters, Local 311, or the Madison Teamsters, Local 695, or our friends at Madison Teachers Incorporated. These are some of the most active local unions who organize, 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 and constantly stand up for workers. Thank you from SliceOffice.com. 
When you're looking for a new computer or need help with one you already own, call 231-8000 and Madison Computer Works will get things up and running for you. Madison Computer Works, computers that work for you. We're back at SliceOffice.com, brought to you by Madison Computer Works and also Jeff's Guitar Clinic in Fort Atkinson. Joining us again, Craig Gilbert from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel as we talk a little bit about uh, the, the very interesting map of Wisconsin. Let's talk about a, a county that I'm living in right now, Dane County. It, I don't think there's any other county in the country exactly like it politically. Would that be fair to say? Um. When I looked at that question, you know, four or five years ago, I that was the answer I came. That was the conclusion I came to. Um, the combination of, I mean, there's no county, you know, that's demographically similar to Dane County in that it's quite white. Um, it's the same. It's as big as Dane County, and it's as blue as Dane County, and so. You know, there are there are very democratic and very blue counties that are, you know, demographically similar to Dane County, but they're smaller and you know, and they're very blue because they're centered by a big university, as is Madison. But the combination of the university system and the state capital and now the sort of tech community and all these things and the growth, well, but all still continuing to kind of feed um sort of a very progressive political culture, I think does make it um, pretty unique. And, you know, we've gotten to the point where the margins, the vote margins that it's generating um, are, are, are gro- not only growing, you know, uh, every cycle, but they're, they're, they're so big that um, it's a huge challenge for the Republican Party to try to kind of offset um, the growth in the Democratic margins in Dane County by making inroads in kind of a lot of much smaller counties in other parts of the state. I remember when Russ Feingold won Dane County in 1998 against Mark Newman, and I think he got 68 or 69 percent. That was considered unbelievable. And Newman definitely pointed to Dane County as the reason he lost. 69 percent in Dane County, that's nothing anymore. Yeah, we're talking about basically an 80% Democratic county. Um, and I believe the Evers vote, raw vote margin was the difference, meaning the difference between the Democratic votes and the Republican votes was, I believe, 174,000 in this election for governor, which is just, a, you know, a pretty mind-boggling number. Um, and, you know, again, bigger than it was, you know, I think it's like 20,000, 23,000, 24,000 more than the margin in 2018. And again, if you go back in time, you know, you're going to find the Democratic margins for governor or for president in Dane County going from, you know, 50,000 to 80,000 to 100,000 to 120,000 to 150,000 to 170,000. And that has a profound impact on statewide elections. You know, if you see the homes being built in and around Madison, even in the exurbs, there are a lot of million-dollar homes being built, and that makes it even more remarkable that the numbers keep pumping up in that direction. A lot, a lot of rich people have moved here and built extravagant homes, and they're voting for, for Democrats. That I never would have dreamed in my life that that would happen. 
Yeah, and I mean, just as a thought experiment, it's sort of interesting to imagine, you know, kind of what it would take for this trend to kind of plateau or at least abate or much less reverse itself. Um, you know, can you imagine circumstances where, you know, there's, you know, it happens in some communities where there's a sort of a backlash to a prevailing political culture um, or there's just this desire to kind of balance the scales and create checks. And, and that just, you know, you would know better than me, but just judging from the numbers, that doesn't really appear to have happened yet in Dane County. We don't see, um, you know, we don't see a, a, a shift in any of these trajectories in any of these, trend lines. And again, you know, the math becomes really powerful um, in statewide elections. It's interesting because once the suburbs flipped in Illinois, they didn't flip back. I helped uh, Alexi Janulius a little bit this, this year in his race for Secretary of State. He told me that he used to go to Lake County or DuPage County and there'd be a handful of people when he first ran for treasurer back in 2006. Well, now... Uh, you see, uh, you see massive crowds, and these counties are becoming more and more democratic in the suburbs. The sorting has not stopped in a state like Illinois. And, of course, southern Illinois used to be very democratic, and now that's as red as can be. Yeah, and the sorting has not stopped in Wisconsin. Again, again it's not just the, the democratic inroads in the suburbs, but, you know, when I looked at just sort of the voting patterns at the community level, and you've got 1,800-plus communities. Those are cities, towns, or villages in Wisconsin. Two-thirds of them got more Republican in this in this election, meaning, you know, Evers' margin was worse in 2022 than it was in 2018. But these communities, those communities were overwhelmingly small, and that kind of, you know, really minimized their impact on the actual election, whereas the places that got more Democratic and where Evers did better were were much bigger places with more votes in them. So big places getting bluer, small places getting redder. The the gap between them just keeps getting wider with every election. I mean, this is a process and a trend that's it's global, it's national, and it's long term. I mean, it's been going on in Wisconsin for decades, but because it's been going on so long the distance between how urban and inner suburban voters are voting and how small town voters and rural voters are voting is just mammoth compared to what it was 30 years ago. You did a, a, a series on what, what was being done and how the ads were affecting the state, uh, you know, with, with Charles Franklin and some of the polling. What role, what role did crime play in the 2022 election in Wisconsin? I think, you know, you can make the case that it played a significant role in the Senate race. Um, it's, it's hard to make the case that it played a big role in the race for governor, given the fact that it was a theme of Republican ads against Tony Evers, his response to the unrest in Kenosha. Um, but yet he expanded his winning margin um, in 2022. Um, but in the Senate race, you know, there's a lot of circumstantial evidence that it played a role in the sense that um, it was a big line of attack against Mandela Barnes um, by Republicans and by the Johnson campaign 
that really came to a head in the weeks after the primary. Um, so, you know, Mandela Barnes comes out of the Democratic primary without really sustaining any criticism of any scale or any volume by his Democratic opponents. He wins the primary. You know, his polling numbers are quite positive. He's actually in, in the Marquette post-primary poll. He's leading Ron Johnson, even though he's not particularly well-known. And then he gets hit by a lot of attack ads, um, many of which were about crime. And it takes a toll on him, and he, he ends up falling behind um, in this race, um, depending on which poll you're, you're looking at, by anywhere from two to five or six points, and and loses by just one point. Um, but, you know, he sustained attacks on that issue, um, and... And at a time when he didn't really have the resources uh, to respond um, effectively, and that's when you tend to see effects from advertising is when there's kind of like a one-way flow in the advertising. So that was a classic example to me of how that can work. And so I think in that sense, um, you know, you could argue over whether crime had the impact some people thought it was going to have in this race. I mean, there was a lot of coverage of of the messaging on crime in this election, and it may not in the end have been quite as powerful an issue um, for Republicans as some people thought it was going to be, judging from the end result in the Johnson race, but I think it, it obviously played a role in that race. I bet you're looking forward right now because we've got a state Supreme Court race that will be, and this is not hyperbole, probably the most important and most expensive Supreme Court race in Wisconsin history. I was looking at the maps uh, for those again the other day, and uh, they look a little different. The Democrats get back a few of the counties that they've lost over the years in western Wisconsin in the Supreme Court races. Is that because they don't have a D in front of their name? I think so. I think it's it's, the fact is that these races are a lot more partisan, as you know, than they used to be, and the voting patterns are a lot more partisan than they used to be. They're, they are much more similar. They, they didn't used to bear that much resemblance to the voting patterns around the state you would see in a race for governor or president, but now they do. Now it's not, you know, it's not the perfect correlation um, that the partisan races have, where it's quite predictable you know, what the regional patterns are going to look like. Um, but it's a lot closer than it used to be. So I think we're going to see, you know, we're going to see some differences, and those will be interesting to look at. Um, and, but it'll look more like a partisan political map than court races used to. Again, this is a trend oh, that we've sure, seen sure. unfolding over time in the last two decades. Shirley Abramson used to win Washington County. <laughs> that wouldn't happen today. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Right. Used to be the incumbent was the, you know, prohibitive favorite in these races. And and they still are to right. some degree. But Right. Right. Uh, and as you, uh, you know, as you kind of look forward, what caught your eye that you're going to keep an eye on for the future as we wrap things up today? Well, I mean, again, getting back to the map, uh, all these cross currents, you know, at a certain point, you know, when do Democrats hit bottom in rural Wisconsin? Um, You know, what would it take and what will it take for Republicans to arrest their decline? Um, In in red suburbs, much less blue suburbs, um, 
Look at the cities. I mean, the cities are really interesting. Now, overall, Democrats improved their margins across the board in cities, but there were some cities where those margins were diminished. I mean, Kenosha, with its you know recent history, a very you know distinctive recent history, um, the Democratic margins got smaller. They got smaller in Beloit. They got smaller in some small cities scattered around the state. And again, you mentioned this, but the turnout in Milwaukee is this. Is this going to be sort of a more permanent condition where we're just going to see? It's not that Milwaukee's getting less blue; it's that the the vote totals are are diminishing. And is that, you know, it, you don't know. I mean, twenty eighteen is a high bar to compare twenty twenty two to. So that was a spectacular turnout. But where you know where is the equilibrium for the city of Milwaukee when it comes to turnout? And you know, are Democrats just going to have to make up for that? Uh, in the suburbs, uh, the fact that they can't count on the same vote margins in the city of Milwaukee because the population isn't there. Well, I sure wouldn't be surprised if Ozaki County becomes a blue county at some point. Oh, it's, it's you know it's going to happen, just given, you know, again, four cycles in a row, we've seen these trend lines. Um, and you look at some of the communities, you know, in Ozaki County that are, you know, in a few cases, 50-50 communities now. Yeah, and I've always thought that Ozaki County was, of all the wild counties, was a little different than Washington County, especially. Uh, a little different demographics, a higher income, and that fits perfectly with the trend in America. That's right. Well, th- thank you for doing all this hard work. I appreciate it. <laughs> it's not It's not work. It's fun. It is. It, well, if, if you enjoy it, it's fun, but it still takes a lot of time. Craig Gilbert, I wish you a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the same thing I always say when we finish up here get a subscription to the newspaper to the journal sentinel because uh, the work that you do on this and the work that dan bice does absolutely necessary if you're going to be well read about wisconsin politics well thanks for saying that all right craig thanks for coming on hang on the line for just a sec this is sly for sliceoffice.com sliceoffice.com thanks a million bye-bye